In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Mary, Tower of Ivory. Mary, Seat of Wisdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good evening. The first book of the Bible, Genesis, tells us of God and creation. It makes clear that God is Lord over life and over all of that creation. Uh, the book of Exodus is the next book in the Bible, and this is what we're going to be talking about this week. Uh, this book drives home how God is Lord over societies and rulers, regardless of whether they acknowledge the one true God. God is still their God. He still has rights over them. Uh, the name Exodus literally means going out. Uh, for this book is about how the Israelites went out of Egypt. Uh, when they left God, uh, he ended, or when they left, God ended their slavery to the tyrannical Pharaoh. Exodus recounts about 145 years, they're guessing, from the death of Joseph to the setting up of the tent or the tabernacle in the desert. That's where the book ends. Uh, something to keep in mind as we're going through the Bible in general is time. And I'm not talking about the herb, although, side note, our cemetery in Sheffield has a lot of time if you ever need more. Uh, try to remember that God does not view time uh, in a linear way like we do. Also of note is that God is the one who inspired the authors of the Bible. You know, hence, the Bible is the Word of God, and it goes deeper than anything that human language could do with it. This means that the Bible was written for Jesus, and it's written about Jesus, and it's really written by Jesus, uh, not directly through his hand, but through his inspiration. Everything that was done in the Old Testament, all the foreshadowings present there, uh, they're all about Jesus, and they were intended to be there by God. I've heard some talks get this concept incorrect, thinking that, well, you know, Jesus was a Jew, and it was really the Jewish faith that gave him all these ideas to do what he did. But remember that Jesus is God. It's really who inspired the Jews to have those ideas, right? It was really God. It was Jesus himself who uh, was the author of those ideas, who gave them to the Jewish people, and then who took them up and brought them to fulfillment. Um, the, everything that's given in the Old Testament is to try to get us to understand that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, and of course, Jesus took up certain Jewish themes. He was the one that put them there to begin with. As humans, we all seem to be drawn towards doing what's easier. Um, and that usually tends to be what's exterior, what's shallow. Some say that Jesus was not imaginative, that he only did what the Jewish people did. But that's not true. Uh, the world as we know it this is all God's creation. Uh, no one is more creative than God. And as a Jew, Jesus chose to observe the feasts and the customs of the Jews. Uh, he didn't have to, but and he actually didn't in certain areas, um, when those customs would be harmful to faith in him. Uh, for instance, we see Jesus and, and his disciples eating meals with unwashed hands, picking grains from the field. We hear Jesus preaching that, you know, he would say, you have heard it said, right? Moses said this one thing, but uh, Jesus says another, you know, but I say. And he taught the crowds with authority. 
uh, an authority that was greater than Moses. So we find that Jesus, he, he knows the law, he's very well acquainted with it, more so than anyone else, uh, but he's also doing something a little bit different. He's, he wants to take it to the next level uh, and really raise it to the law of love. I'm giving you another reminder that I'm really keeping my introductions to each book of the Bible just very, very general. Uh, the Word of God is inexhaustible, and we'll continue to unpack more of what God le has left us with in the Bible until the end of time. It's part of that deposit of faith, that there are no new revelations that God gives us. We already have it in the Bible. It's just a matter of over time, like we go through, and we see, you know, what else does this mean? You know, what else has God, has God given us in here? So God won't contradict himself. Teachings won't completely, um, you know, go against what the church has held before. Uh, it, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, we're, we're skimming the surface in these talks on, on the different books that we're going through. But it's to give you an idea just how the book is set up and how you can go deeper. The main human character that the book of Exodus follows is Moses. He was a Hebrew boy born during the slaughtering of innocent children by Pharaoh, who was the king of Egypt, yet he was saved and adopted by one of Pharaoh's own daughters. Moses became a part of the, that family, uh, but he knew that he was a Hebrew. One day when he saw an injustice being done to a Hebrew slave, he was filled with rage, and he killed this uncharitable Egyptian. Uh, Moses, wishing to flee punishment, then went out into the desert and... Once he was there, he came across uh, some seven young daughters of Raguel who were attending to their, their sheep, but uh, there was a, a band of brigands that came upon them, and so Moses protected her them and then drove the, the brigands away and then helped them water their sheep. And after this, Raguel, he welcomed Moses into his family and let him marry one of his daughters, uh, his oldest one. So... This is kind of how Moses left Egypt, where he started, where he came from. And then one day when he was out tending the flocks, uh, God spoke to him. And the way that God did that was he spoke through a burning bush. It wasn't consumed by fire. It was on the mountain. And the, God told Moses to go and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And Moses wanted help. So God said, okay, you know, take Aaron with you, uh, your brother on, on this mission. Uh, and then when Moses starts to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go, this is where we find those miracles in nature occur by way of the ten plagues of Egypt. And each let loose on Pharaoh's lands, uh, each time Pharaoh refused to let God's people go. The tenth plague was the worst, and the death of all the firstborn males in the land, and after this, uh, Pharaoh finally agreed that he would let the Hebrews go after Egypt had been decimated. Uh, but then, of course, Pharaoh, uh, through his hardness of heart, he had a change of heart, and then he decided, no, I shouldn't have let them go, and he pursued the Israelites as they were leaving uh, Egypt to the Red Sea, and it's there that Moses stretched out his hands, he parted, God parted the Red Sea for the Hebrews to escape the wrath of the Egyptians for good, who were drowned in the waters of the Red Sea. Uh, once in safety, the, they journeyed through the desert to Mount Sinai where Moses gives them their, the old laws to help regulate peace and justice, kind of more societal laws. And then God gives them two tablets written by his own finger containing the Ten Commandments. Uh, people are consecrated to God in a new covenant, and God reveals himself to Moses 
who speaks on his behalf. Uh, and thus ends the book of Exodus with the tent of God's presence being set up, the, the tent that God would dwell in. There is much foreshadowing of the coming of the Messiah in the book of Exodus. Uh, Jesus is the new Moses who leads his people out of their slavery to the devil to the freedom to become God's children. Uh, Moses had royal roots, not by blood, but by adoption. Jesus' royal roots were his by the blood of David's line, but they were also his right, by, by way of being God, by being begotten by God the Father. Uh, and his spiritual royalty, really. Moses looked with pity upon his people, as Jesus looked upon all people with pity, right? in our, our state of not being able to be freed from our sins. Moses was exiled in the desert after he sinned, but Jesus exiled himself into the desert to fight temptation, to overcome sin, to show us the way to overcome the devil. God worked miracles through Moses, uh, but God worked miracles as Jesus. God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments and the Old Law through Moses. Uh, God gave us the Beatitudes and the New Law through himself, right? Through Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. Uh, so there are many, many parallels between the life of Jesus and Moses. And that's another thing to beware of, that all those connections are there. Because God wants us to make those connections between Moses and Jesus. But he wants to see that all those perfections, everything good about Moses, was present in Jesus. But even more so, Jesus contained that to the absolute maximum. Um, you know, as good as some of these Old figure, Testament figures might be, as good as the patriarchs were, uh, Jesus had all of their goodness uh, to the max without any of the negative, because he was free from sin. Whenever we read the Bible, we should always be reading, you know, where, where is Jesus in this passage? And we should always be comparing what we read to Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is that lens. He unlocks our interpretation to all of sacred scripture. So we should try to see how Jesus is there and how he's working and how we can become more like our Lord through encountering him in the Bible, right? through hearing him at Mass, right, hearing the word of God, or through reading the sacred scriptures on our own time. Awareness of the action of God will help us be on guard against even things that seem a little, uh, seem small. They, they could still lead us astray a little bit. Uh, for instance, a few months ago, I rewatched The Mummy. I was feeling a little nostalgic. It's a 1999 film. as part of a, a golden era of B-list cheesy films, of which The Mummy could very well be the king of or at least the pharaoh of those films. The mummy was brought back to life, and it bring with it the Ten Plagues of Egypt. Sounds familiar, it was a remake of uh, you know, a Hollywood horror before. And for dramatic effect, and for the Western audiences who have never been to Egypt, that's probably all people think of when they think of Egypt. It's the, the pyramids and the plagues, right? the, two, the two big ones. But when you think about it a little bit, when you just kind of stop, and think about, well, who did the plagues? You realize that all the plagues, they're all miracles. Only God can do miracles, uh, which means that the devil can't do them, and evil people can't do them. No you know, magic can do them at all. Uh, and the plagues were given uh, to move human hearts away from their sins and toward God. 
then when you realize that movies like the mummy seem a lot less entertaining and kind of sad it's like no god should be doing those right that's that's his work not not anyone else's one of the points from that is whenever you're watching something or reading something else god should always be on our minds uh, and if only that were the case that he he was always there uh, and we were, we were able to call him up reading more of the bible gives us more ways to think about god and as we put more of the bible into our memories we build up more points of contact that we can have with the divine and we get more access to god his thoughts his ways his love for us uh you know if if you're reading about the you're reading through the book of exodus and you um you know you come across the plagues and then maybe you go outside and you see a frog and then well before it might have just been a frog to you but now it can remind you oh Remember, I remember God's action in Egypt, right? It's another way for you to see something in, in creation, something that reminds you of our creator uh, and how great it is when we can put more of the Bible in our minds and always be able to recall something from it. The book of Exodus, you know, true to its name, it takes us on a journey. Uh, the immediate destination is from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the desert. But the ultimate destination of that of the journey of the book of Exodus is to Jesus Christ who then takes us on another journey right to, to freedom within himself some would say that the writers didn't mention anything about Jesus and that he was never intended to be a part of this book uh, and if you're just staying on the surface level that's true his name isn't mentioned but that misses the the point of the one who inspired the Bible who is God uh, God was setting up the liberation of his chosen race of people uh, so that the Jews of Jesus' time and we, who currently hear the word of God and read it, uh, we might understand a little bit better that work that Jesus was doing. We might see Jesus as the new Moses, that Moses, he had this impact in history, all right, and the, the Jewish people commemorate that every single year. But we at the Mass, we commemorate what Jesus did as the new Moses every single time that we go to Mass. So at least once a week we're, we're doing this. Uh, Jesus's work impacted the entire human race, and his sacrifice stretches throughout all time. Uh, and, and it's in actuality that it does that, not just in remembrance, uh, more so when they remember the Jews. Granted, right, uh, when the Jewish people, they have their remembrances, it's sort of like the past event becomes present again. Uh, but we have to think of the sacrifice of Jesus as sort of permeating time in history, that you know, we can tap into it at any time and that it's it's really always there. Uh, that time isn't as linear as we think it is. It's not about, you know, 9 a.m., 12 uh, p.m., and then 3 p.m. It's really like the cross is the, the center of all of time. And God sees all of time touching that cross at an, from an equal distance. Uh, so the Passover, it was chosen by God to take place because of its imagery of sacrifice leading into freedom. Uh, this image once started in Exodus, it was only finished when Jesus was sacrificed on the cross for all of humanity. Uh, so we should all be on this journey toward Christ. Uh, and that tent at the very end that was set up uh, is why we call the place where the most blessed sacrament reposes the tabernacle in the church. It literally means a tent. Uh, the Most Holy Eucharist is God still remaining with his people. 
um, but in an even more profound and total way than he did back in the book of Exodus. That was just kind of his presence. But right, we have God completely present in the Eucharist. It's more so than uh, anyone would have dreamed that we've had would have had God with us. Just as Exodus ends with God dwelling in that tabernacle, our journey should end with us dwelling with God in heaven. But on this earthly journey, which is our exile in the desert, we should avail ourselves of the many graces that God gives us uh, by dwelling with us in His in our churches, uh, wherever the, the Most Blessed Sacrament is reserved. So spend time before the Holy Eucharist. Moses' face shone like horns of light after meeting God on the mountain. Uh, true encounters with God will always change us. And so if we have God right there, right, right in that church building, uh, then we should let God work on us by going to him, and by taking time out of our days just to visit him. Prepare to receive him at the sacrifice of the Mass, and God will do even better than that. And we'll do even better than just uh, a visit with him, because he'll come to dwell in your heart and to be with his people like he wants to be. So that's what I have to say about introduction to the book of Gen Exodus. Uh, anyone have any questions? Okay. Well, Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.